All right, I'd like to start off by asking you to put your attention up on the screen. I have a picture I want to show you. Let's put up the picture. That is one unhappy basset hound. It's pretty apparent he's not enjoying life. He's just enduring it. Let me ask you, have you ever gone to the mall and looked at the faces of other people? If so, that look on that basset hound's face may seem familiar. There's a lot of grim looks and unhappy hearts out there nowadays. People are just enduring life. And you can see it in Christian churches, too. There's more than a few what I call basset hound believers out there. People who have no real joy in their life. But this is not how God meant life to be. So today we're in week number two of a new message series we just started here at Mission Liberty Hill based on the book of Philippians, Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. The title of this series is Life as It Was Meant to Be. And today we are going to discover that God says to every follower of Jesus Christ, you can enjoy life. You really can. A few years back, I saw a Peanuts cartoon strip where Lucy asked Charlie Brown a question in the first frame of the cartoon. Here's the question she asked him. Do you know anybody, have you ever met anybody who is really happy? And before she even finishes that question, there pops into the frame of the cartoon Snoopy, nose in the air, twirling around, and he's spinning and dancing around for two whole frames of the cartoon so that finally, in the fourth frame of the cartoon, Lucy is able to finish the question she was going to ask Charlie Brown, and she adds a few other words to it. She asks him, have you ever met anyone who is really happy and still in their right mind? <laughs> Why are there so few people really happy, really enjoying life? Well, I think one of the main reasons for that is that many people think that life must be perfect in order for them to be happy. In other words, if I could just change my situation over here, if that would just change, then, finally then, I'd be happy. If I could just solve that problem, if I could just dump my disappointments, if I could just get rid of some of those circumstances in my life, then, then finally I'd enjoy life. But the fact of the matter is that there is no such thing as problem-free living. Ever since Adam and Eve took that first bite out of the fruit, there has been no problem-free living ever. And you know this, don't you? 
I mean, let's face it, when you have a really good day where everything's coming your way, aren't you just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop? Because you know from experience there's no such thing as problem-free living. If you're going to enjoy life, you need to learn how to be joyful in any situation in life, in any problem. So this morning, we're going to look at what it takes to enjoy life in spite of problems and disappointments. Jesus once said this in John 15, 11. It's the first scripture on your notes. Look at what Jesus said. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. And so that your joy may be full today, we now look at the next section of the book of Philippians. Philippians 1, verses 12 to 33 in your Bibles. Now you're gonna wanna get something to write with because you'll have some notes you'll want to take on those notes today. They're really important things for you to remember. Now, before we look closely at what Paul has to say today in this section from Philippians, I think it's helpful for you to remember that when Paul wrote this letter to the church in Philippi, he had just spent four years living in absolutely miserable conditions. For two long years, he had been locked up in prison. Then he had been shipped off to Rome. He'd been shipwrecked. He'd been marooned on an island. He'd been bitten by a poisonous snake. He'd been sent to Rome. And then when he got to Rome, he was locked up again for two more years in prison. Early church history tells us that when Paul was in prison during that two-year time period, awaiting trial and execution, he was chained to a Roman guard every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and that guard was changed every four hours, chained to a different guard. He had very little rest and absolutely no privacy for two straight years. And in spite of all that, when it was all said and done, even though he had every right in the world to be a basset hound believer, Paul said this in your open Bible in Philippians chapter one. Look at verse 18 where Paul said, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. What on earth was Paul's secret? How did he stay positive in prison? How did he triumph in his trials? How did he delight in the middle of his difficulties? Well, here in this section of Philippians, Paul gives us four secrets for enjoying life in a positive and joyful way. We're gonna take them one at a time. You can write them on your notes. First of all, to enjoy life, really enjoy life, no matter what you're going through, you need a pers perspective to live from. Write that down, a perspective to live from. Perspective makes all the difference in the world. Someone once said this, if a man has Limburger cheese on his upper lip, 
the whole world is going to stink. <laughs> it's all a matter of perspective. And it is. And what is the perspective that God wants you to have? Here's the perspective. Write it on your notes. God has a plan for your problems. That's the perspective he wants you to have, that God has a plan for your problems. As God says in Romans 8, verse 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's the perspective that will enable you to enjoy life, that God has a plan for your problems and he is always, always, always working through your problems to bring good to you. The Apostle Paul had this perspective on the problem of his imprisonment. Now look in your Bible at Philippians 1, verses 12 through 14. We'll start with those verses, verses 12 through 14. Paul writes to the church in Philippi, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of my brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. So what good plan did God have for Paul's trouble? Well, try this on for size. Think about this for a moment. When Paul was locked up in prison for that two years, he could not go and visit all the churches that he had planted and started, go back to encourage them and personally uh, teach them and instruct them. So what did Paul do? He sat in that prison and he started writing letters, and he wrote letters, and most of those letters became our New Testament. God had a plan for Paul's problems, and not only that, God had it arranged with Paul's problem of being chained to a guard 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He had Paul being guarded by the palace guard in Rome. The palace guard was an elite set of troops. They were actually the future leaders of the Roman Empire. There was no other group that was more strategic for Paul to share Christ with than these future leaders of the Roman Empire if he wanted to reach the whole empire for Christ which he did. So what did God do? God worked it out where every four hours Paul was chained to a different future leader of the Roman Empire. You want to talk about a captive audience to share the gospel of Jesus with. God had a plan for Paul's problems and because Paul had that perspective, he was able to say, I rejoice, and again I say, rejoice. He was able to enjoy life because he had a perspective to live from. Now I wanna ask you, what kind of perspective do you have on your problems, on your disappointments, on your setbacks in life? What is our perspective 
as a church. It's going to make all the difference in your life and in our life together. It's going to make a difference whether or not we enjoy life. Whether or not we experience the maximum benefits that God has for us, the good he wants to bring. It will determine whether or not we enjoy life or just endure it. That perspective is that significant. Let me ask you, you know some people that are just enduring church instead of enjoying church? <laughs> sure you do. And I'll tell you one of the reasons for that. Perspective is being missed, right? And when you have this perspective, you'll enjoy life, not just endure it. And the good news that I bring to you is that your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he loved you so much. God, the Father in heaven, loved you so much that he gave up his son who willingly came to this earth and laid down his life for you. Let me ask you, I'm asking you the same question Romans 8 asked you. If God loved you this much to give up his own son for you, do you not also think that he will, along with him, graciously give you everything else you will ever need in life? You bet he will. That's the perspective to live from, and you're going to need if you're going to enjoy life and not just endure it. You need a perspective to live from, and secondly, you need a priority to live by. If you're going to enjoy life, you need a priority to live by. Listen, either you are living your life today on the basis of your problems, or you are living your life on the basis of your priorities, one or the other, either your problems or your priorities. And it's your choice. You need to decide what is really important in life. You need to separate the trivial from the significant. You need priorities to live by because if you don't have priorities to live by, what's gonna happen is you're just gonna go from one problem to the next and problems are going to set the agenda for your life, not your priorities. You need priorities to live by. You need that kind of priority. Priorities are important. You know, something I learned rather early in life as a man was to keep a list. And I have a list. Donna's laughing because she sees it. I have a list. Saturday, I usually sit down and I write down my list for the next week and I prioritize what are the most important things on that list. And then every morning in my morning devotional time, after I read God's word and I pray, I take out that list and I pray through that list. Well, I have a seven-year-old grandson, and I'm, pr I'm literally praying through my list this week, one morning, and my phone dings, and it's my daughter. And this is all the text says, someone's like his grandpa. <laughs> and here Liam was, got sick the night before, so he couldn't go to school. So Kristen found a list that he made the night before about how he was going to spend his day, Liam's list, wake up make fort, show movie, breakfast, draw, goes all the way down, and I love this one right at the end, complete list. <laughs> a boy after my own heart. This is a kid is learning about the importance of priorities. And you need a priority to live by. You really do. And what is that priority? You can write this priority down right now in your notes. The priority you need to live by is to give God first place in your life. 
to give him first place in your life. Proverbs 3, verse 6 on your notes in the Living Bible says, in everything you do, put God first and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. The Apostle Paul had this priority to live by. Look at the next verses in Philippians chapter 1, verses 15 to 18. Paul wrote, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of that, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Underline in verse 18 in your Bible that phrase, what does it matter? This is the only question in the entire book of Philippians. One question in the book of Philippians, what does it matter? It's interesting in the original Greek, it's best translated, so what? So what? Ask me if I care. In essence, what Paul was saying, I know what's important and what's not important, and I'm not going to sweat the small stuff. I'm not going to get worked up over things that in the scope of eternity really don't count for very much. Let me ask you, how many times have you lost your joy over the little things that in the scope of eternity really don't matter very much? How many times has that happened to you? You've had it happen, haven't you? I mean, I think about this week, you know, Mother's Day is coming up. So Donna and I, we decided we were going to send a combination Mother's Day, wedding anniversary, and the kids are growing, and we better get these little grandkids these clothes we bought them before they outgrow them, box. <laughs> and we were going to send it. For Mother's Day, when, you know, we're a little behind the curve, so it's Wednesday and we're going to send a priority mail so it gets to Nashville on time. So we get the large priority mailbox. Donna packs that thing. It's a beautiful care package. We p I found this stellar Mother's Day card for Kristen. Boy, we both wrote really nice things in it. And, and Donna packs it with all these little nice things. We put in an anniversary card because that's in a couple of weeks for the kids. A little check in there, you know, anniversary gift. And, and clothes for the kids and lots of other stuff. Donna writes this really nice note we put on top of the thing. I tape that baby tight and 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 because uh, it's my job. I'm the shipping department in the Coppersmith household. I shape the box, get it all ready. I gave it to Donna. Donna dropped it off at the post office, put it in the receptacle. And a few hours later, I had a thought cross my mind. I didn't put a label on that box. <laughs> Small matter, right? <laughs> so, man, 8.30 a.m., that post office opened. I'm down at that post office trying to retrieve that box, right? 
And they looked at me and they said, oh, that, that box is long gone. They said, that left here yesterday. She said, we never read the labels here. He said, they read it down at the distribution center. He said, I, well, can I go down there and get it? Oh, no. He said, it, it's going from there to the dead, the dead package center, dead letter center in Atlanta. And I said, well, will they open it up? Because fortunately, we had their, our address in the, inside the box. Uh, so on, a, on the card, we had put a little return address because we were originally going to mail that card. So I said, when they open it, they'll see it. I said, well, when do you think they'll open it? A week or two? They all laughed. There were three of them standing there. They all laughed at the same time. No, no, no. He says, we have higher priorities in the U.S. postal system than that. He said, it could be up to six months until you get the box, and there'll be postage due when you get it. <laughs> so I walk out totally empty-handed, and I'm troubled about two things. Number one, I messed up, and number two, I have to tell Donna that, <laughs> that the box. I sat in the car, and the f next thought that was in my mind is, I have a choice to make. I have a choice to make. Am I going to let my day be governed by this and my attitude be governed by this or all the good things that I have going on in my life? And God just kind of pointed out to me, you have a daughter that is a wonderful mother that you wanted to get a card to. You had a son-in-law that's married to her and they have a wonderful marriage. You have three healthy, whole, well grandkids. You have a wife put together that box and loves the Lord Jesus Christ. What? These are the important things, right? These are the important. You think in heaven I'm going to be standing around in heaven saying, oh man, I sure wish I wouldn't have got that box off. I would have put the <laughs> label on that box. Still bothers me, Mother's Day 2019. That's not a big deal. So we need priorities to live by. And the most important priority is to put God first in your life. You put your focus on God, you put him first in your life, your problems will get into perspective and you'll start having joy. Here's the third thing, third secret to really enjoying life. You need a perspective to live from and that perspective is God has a plan for your problems. You need a priority to live by, and that's put God first every day in your life. And then you need a power to live on. You need a power to live on. Let's face it, problems have a way of wearing you down. If you're not careful, they can suck the life right out from you so that you end up a basset hound believer. There's a humorous story about Bob Zupke. He was the coach for the University of Illinois, great football coach. Uh, Illinois was having a pretty tough season, and they were going to play a very highly ranked Iowa team. So before the game, Supke talked to his players, had a talk with his players, and he said to them, men, I want you to get out there. I want you to die for Illinois. In fact, no man will be taken off the field today unless he's dead. Got that? Dead. So inspired, but still outmatched, the Illinois team played Iowa to a standstill all the way until 
the latter part of the fourth quarter. Then they just ran out of steam. And one of the Iowa halfbacks, halfbacks literally collapsed from exhaustion on the field. So Supke grabbed one of his younger players and said, get out there and replace that man. And the player ran out to the player that was just laying on the field and totally exhausted. And he turned around and ran back to the sidelines. And Supke said, what are you doing back here? I told you, replace that man. And the player said, it ain't necessary, coach. He's still breathing a little. <laughs> and maybe you feel like that sometimes with your problems, barely breathing. But God has a power for you to live on, and you need a power to live on. Paul tells us what that power is. Write it on your notes. You need the help of God's Spirit and the prayers of God's people. The help of God's Spirit and the prayers of God's people. Look at what Paul said in the next verses in Philippians 1, verses 19 and 20. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will be in no way ashamed, but will have sufficient courage. The help of God's Spirit and the prayers of God's people. This power gave Paul hope. And he said in verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope. Listen, you need hope to cope. And if you seek help from God's Spirit and prayer from God's people, you will have a power to live on. And that's what you find in the church of Jesus Christ, the power of God's spirit and the prayers of God's people. Seek those things and you'll be able to say what the apostle Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I have strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives to me. As people, as a church, we can be confident that our very best days are ahead for us because we have a perspective to live from. We have a priority to live by. We have a power to live on. And here's the fourth secret. You need a purpose to live for, a purpose to live for. And Paul had such a purpose. Look at what he wrote in the rest of Philippians 1, verses 20 to 23. Paul said, so that now, as always, Christ may be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ which is better by far. What was Paul's purpose? The same purpose that will enable you to enjoy life as it was meant to be by God. Here's the purpose, write it on your notes. It's to live for Christ, to live for Christ. 17 times, count them, 17 times in the book of Philippians chapter one. Paul mentions Christ. It was all about Christ. That was his purpose. Let me ask you, how would you can complete this sentence? For me to live is. For me 
to really live is, would you say, possessions? Would you say, popularity? Would you say, my job? Or would you say, Christ? I learned a two-line poem as a young Christian. I've said it thousands of times in my life at crucial moments. Mike, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So live for Christ. You know, many people in their lives, they're kind of like the high-rise workman that was working on the 61st floor of a skyscraper that was under construction when he fell off the beam and started falling down the side of the building. As he went by the 31st floor, someone stuck his head out and said, how are you doing? And the guy said, just fine so far. <laughs> and you might even say that about your life right now. But I want to say to you, life can be so much better than that. You can enjoy life as it was really meant to be. You do not need to live your life like this. Put up that next slide. You do not need to live your life like a Basset Hound believer. Instead, you can live your life like this. <laughs> and with the wind of the Holy Spirit carrying you to a perspective to live from, God has a plan for your problems carrying you to a priority to live by. Give God first place in your life, always first place. A power to live on, the help of God's spirit, the prayer of God people, and a purpose to live for, to live for Christ. You can go great places in your life today all the way to your heavenly home. This is what you find in Jesus Christ. This is what we have here at Mission Liberty Hill in this family of faith. You can enjoy life. Let's stand for closing prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for your redeeming work and saving love for us. By your grace, we trust you and we look to you to give us all that we need to truly enjoy life in faith, in obedience, in love for you. We lay hold of these four great gifts for enjoying new and eternal life in you. We take hold of a perspective to live from. We trust that you have a plan for our problems. We take hold of a priority to live by. We will give you first place in our life. We take hold of a power to live on. We will seek, always seek, the help of your spirit and the prayers of your people. And we take hold of a purpose to live for. For as you live for us, we will, Lord, live for you, for your kingdom, for now 
and forever. Because we know that in all things, you're working together for the good of those who love you, who are called according to your purpose. So we rejoice and we enjoy life. In your name we pray, amen.